Hello there, Nicola Barden here from Q102's Weekend Buzz. I hope you are all doing really well and thank you so, so much for pressing play today to listen to this episode. Before I let you listen to the whole thing, I just have a little bit of news for you. So if you're a fan of the Weekend Buzz or this is the first time you've ever listened to it, amazing and thank you and scroll back. We've got over 70 episodes there. So there's some great chats for you to listen to from the likes of the cast of SVU, from Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Grey's Anatomy, loads of stuff, some amazing singers, reality stars, great in-depth conversations for you to enjoy and I know that's what you're here for so that's why I have to tell you my news I have rebranded the show and it is now strictly podcast so it's no longer on radio it is just podcast and it goes under the name tis yourself so do come and find us we're on um, Instagram and Twitter and obviously all the places that you're listening to podcasts so if you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, Google, Castbox, Good Pods, Spotify we are there I am there with my over 50 guests, fantastic guests. You're going to love some of them. They're absolutely amazing. So we've got some of the cast from like Games of Thrones, Breaking Bad. Yes, Breaking Bad and Game of Thrones. Can you believe it? Uh, Some amazing singers like Shane Ward, Matt Cardle are there. We have the actor Jerry O'Connell, who had some surprising roots to Ireland, you won't believe. We have... The likes of Tom Lenk from Buffy, who played Andrew. Um, if you're Irish, you'll know the names James Patrice, Trisha's Transformation, Tommy Fleming, the Nolan family. There's loads and loads of stuff in there. We've Sarah Jane Dunn from Hollyoaks. We've got some cast of EastEnders. So there's a real mix of Irish, UK, US guests. And we're just adding to them every single day. We're getting some new guests. Season four is just about to be launched. So come and join me. I'm over here waiting for you to discover me. That's Tiz Yourself with me, Nicola Barden. Hope you enjoy this episode. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The Weekend Buzz with Nicola Barden. Welcome back to The Weekend Buzz here on Dublin's Q102 with me, Nicola Barden, and I hope you're having a lovely Saturday morning. Now, you might recognise my next guest if you're a fan of The Fall, if you are a fan of Game of Thrones. Uh, She's been in a a lot of different stuff and now she has gotten an even bigger role. We'll chat to her all about that now. Lacey Moore is on the phone now. Hi, Lacey. Hi, Nicola. How how are you doing? Good. I'm really good. Uh, I just was pointing out the fall there probably a little bit because it's fresh in people's minds with the fact that it's back on Netflix yeah it has travelled to Netflix after um, it was um, 2016 I think it broadcast on BBC One yeah and that's like it's weird because I watched the first two seasons of it and when it was on TV and then I don't know why I kept missing 
parts of season three so I was like right I'm going to have to sit down and watch that again and then it wasn't on telly and now it's on Netflix and everybody's back in love with it again <laughs> yeah yeah and, I, and it's got a bigger audience now and I think that's what's amazing about these platforms new platforms Netflix and Amazon Prime people can watch them from all over the world and over and over again as well you know you don't have to be at home and wait for it to come out on BBC One anymore it must be even weird for you as an actress to look back at that as you said like that was 2016 when that was on BBC life in the acting world was completely different even in the last few years it's just changing all the time I think it's brilliant for actors because um you know, we want to travel as much as possible, you know, and so uh, I didn't even really know actually the fall went to Netflix until somebody said, I saw you on TV last night and I was like, uh, I, I don't remember doing anything in the last <laughs> few months, you know, that's gone on TV and, and I was like, oh, it's so brilliant. Um, it's, it's great for actors and, and directors and, and all art departments for the work that they've done years ago to come back and have a sort of renaissance. Well, before we get stuck into what you're doing now, like, tell me how you kind of swerved into this world of acting was it something that you were were you like a Billy Barry kid or you know was that something you were doing as a youngster <laughs> Billy Barry kid <laughs> um, I actually grew up in um, the, the pirate radio scene in Dublin my parents were the pioneers of Irish pirate radio stations back in the day and uh, so I came from quite an eccentric cookie kind of background um, I never um, really I was fascinated by acting when I was a child before I even knew what acting was I think my very first show was Punch and Judy and I was really small and I remember thinking whatever they're doing I want to know how they're doing it Um, and then the first time I saw um, any kind of acting on TV I must have been about four or five and I was just fascinated by the craft around it I mean I wasn't able to name what it was at the time being so young but I was fascinated how these two people on the screen or on the stage made what they were doing believable to an audience um, so it was, I was just really, really fascinated by it. And of course, my parents being uh, radio DJs wanted me to get into to radio. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I had no interest. It's like that thing, you just want to rebel against whatever your parents are doing. And they're broadcasting all the time from my bedroom, my bedroom being the studio. Like, um, And I just had it up to my hairline with radio like growing up. So um, acting was just in my blood. I just loved it so much. Oh, if my parents had told me, listen, we want you to be a guard, I would have been a criminal. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> it's like... <laughs> exactly. You have to rebel do the opposite, like, you know. <laughs> so when did you start, like, you know, taking it on, trying to go and go do some acting, like do some plays and stuff like that? Um, well, I grew up in um, Dublin and um, in school we didn't have any kind of drama um to do really to go to no drama societies or anything like that so when I was 18 I um, I decided to move to San Francisco instead of doing my leaving cert uh, oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I did the course the leaving cert course but I sort of had no interest in academia really at the time and I was really I knew I was a creative head so um, I knew I wasn't going to pass the exam so I got on to a, I got on a flight and went to San Francisco and didn't come back for a few years and over there um, I came across uh, a, a new conservatory theatre uh, which was run by Ed Hooks and he's quite a, a renowned acting teacher over there and I just went and I just started doing uh, lo- loads of courses in San Francisco um, and getting up on stage a couple of nights a week and doing lots of American plays uh, playwrights uh, Tennessee Williams and and I just and I felt I could really get into it in San Francisco because I was away from home mm. I didn't have I wasn't nervous about it in San Francisco because I didn't know anybody you know oh of course you're not looking down to the audience and seeing your granny and you know your neighbours <laughs> and the girl from school who didn't like yeah. it and 
Yeah, you could read. There's that sense of you could really be whoever you wanted to be over in San Francisco. I was only 18, and I just felt I had the freedom to just do what I wanted to do and really fulfil my dreams, and um, and, I had, and get the confidence to get up on stage and, and do acting. And um, so yeah, I started my training in San Francisco, um, and I stayed there for about three years. But because I, I couldn't really go to colleges over there because I didn't have a green card, um, I ended up uh, moving back to Ireland, and then I went to Bull Alley for a year, and I did a great course at Bull. Valley and then uh, Manchester University School of Theatre came over to audition people, uh, all the actors in Dublin really, um, and I got through to the third round and, and then I ended up doing a degree in Manchester, yeah. It's it's like you you went a completely different way about it I suppose, like how did you get away with not doing your leave insert? I'm like, <laughs> I think even if my, I knew, my parents knew that I was going to, my mom knew I was going to my joy after <laughs> after the leave insert but I still have to do it because I wouldn't be great into academia either you know what I mean but they, yeah but yeah especially back then everyone I mean it was just such a sin to not do your leave yeah. insert wasn't it <laughs> um, I don't know they, because my parents were who they were they were so into um, cr- creativity yeah. and, and they, they just knew that I, I was going to go down some creative path coming from them you know um so they didn't they didn't push it and they, when I told my dad I'm, I'm not doing the leaving cert I'm not, instead I'm moving to San Francisco he just broke into fits of laughter uh, <laughs> and, and I just said what are you laughing at this is really sad I just I'm laughing because I know you're going to do that like you're just going to oh. do whatever you want to do that's amazing to have parents who are just like look do what you got to do <laughs> Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but he, like with my peers at the time, I did feel a bit embarrassed, I suppose, and, and a bit kind of like, oh my God, this is shocking to not be doing my leave insert right now. This is really bad. Uh, I think, though, it's one of those things that like if you're an actor or like a singer now and you know, you're know you a young person, people will be like, oh, that's cool. Yeah, fair play. But like 10 years ago, even saying that, people will be like, "Ay, come on. Yeah, exactly. Or they'd at least say, well, like, do your leaving cert first. Yes. And then see how you feel, you know. Whereas now you could go, you see young people going off and doing, like, the voice, or they go, like, Niall Horn was 16 when he went to the X Factor, yeah. you know what I mean? And nobody was yeah. like, he should sit down now and do the leaving cert. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, because, I mean, and, and I, I did kind of think, oh, God, maybe I should just do the exam because then I can, at least in a few years' time, I can go and do a university course. Without the leaving cert, I'm not going to be able to do that. And it's strange how it turned out because it turned out because I ended up doing a university course um, and getting a degree, um, but that was just based on audition skills and getting into the acting course, but it just happened to be a university course. So, so what would you think then was your kind of um, big moment then when you left, you know, university in terms of getting a role? Was there was there a moment that really made the right decision? Yeah, um, I actually uh, my very first job after graduation was a year's contract in Emmerdale. So I landed on my feet and yeah. I was thrown into the deep end, really, because I had never done TV before. Like, everything we did in Manchester was uh, stage and theatre. So uh, this is my first TV role and there were main storylines in Everdale, which was such a po- is still such a popular soap. So um, I was just, I just knew that, that this was the kind of, I was ner- really nervous going on to the set for the first time and hoping I didn't mess up or fall over or something. But I, got, I, I just knew that I felt really at home on, on set I felt like I knew I'd made the right decision because on a visceral level, level, the whole thing just felt so right for me. Like I was in the right place. Um, and it's a soap that's so huge over here. Yeah. 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 And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was an Irish character. I played uh, Neve O'Connor. Yeah, yeah. She's uh, the vicar, the curate. 
wife, uh, played by Lima O'Brien at the time, and uh, they were just arguing the entire time, like um, about she, she wanted them to come back to Ireland. I mean, that's all I remember from the storyline. <laughs> the whole time they were just like screaming and shouting at each other. Um, yeah, but it was really great to have like a main storyline like that at such a young age. I think I was like 23, um, and I probably probably didn't appreciate it at the time because it was my very first job yeah. after walking out of college. And I thought, oh yeah, well then this is just how it goes. I'm just going to keep working. Um, but there's always a lull after after every job, even today. You know, you work, you do a great job, and then you've got a lull for about three or four months, and you don't know when your next job is going to come. So. It doesn't. I think school doesn't prepare you for uh, the ups and downs of the industry when you leave. So that was quite, that was a big shock and took probably ten years to get used to. To be honest. <laughs> yeah, I imagine because you come out and you're like given this year contract, which most actors would be delighted for. You know, like, and you're just like, oh, this is the way it obviously goes. Then I get a year, <laughs> yeah. and then the next person's going to call me and give me a two year. You know that way, <laughs> and then you're like, wait, what? No. Yeah, you're totally deluded you have this total false sense of security in yourself when you get something really big at the beginning <laughs> and then uh, yeah the harsh reality creeps in pretty soon you realise oh my god I've got to keep you know achieving these uh, these results over and over again um, and it took yeah, I have to say it took me about over 10 years to really get used to um, the fact that there's no security really in this industry and then I just became to actually like that fact mm. Yeah, but to get, I suppose when you get your head around it and you're prepared for it mentally, there's a difference there because you're not, when you get a job, you're not relying on it saying, well, this is going to be forever. And if it ends up being longer, you're like, that's brilliant. But I was prepared mentally in case it wasn't. Yeah, yeah. And and the experience of being in the industry long enough uh, teaches you that. So uh, you just have to be, it teaches you to be resilient. Um, and resourceful, yeah. And then you get your credits on big, massive shows like, as I said, you were in Game of Thrones, you were in The Fall. So you get to get your name to even, even if they're not, you know, um, the mass, the biggest one. You're not Liam Cunningham level, you know, yeah, on it. Yeah, to be yeah. able to go to a to some to a casting agent, and go, well, yes, I was on these shows. They, they, yeah. that's huge. It is actually huge, and I didn't really think of it at the time because the bar is always so high, set so high in my head. It's like, um, well, I don't have a kind of a series regular role in Game of Thrones, so, you know, I don't see it as such a big thing at the time when I was filming it. But, yeah, I, you know, it really sort of really stands for you, those shows, because there's such huge monsters um, of, uh, of of shows, and, and everybody loves them. And even if you're only in it for a few episodes, um, I suppose people have that feeling that they can kind of rely on you. You know, to, yeah. to do a good job. If you can do a good job in that show, and you're going to do a good job in this show, so it's it's just all about building credits and um, and building building people's trust in your work and and your your ability. So uh, I'm really proud of doing Game of Thrones, and I absolutely loved the role I did in that as well. It was a great uh, great scene. Yeah, you were with um, Ian Beatty, wasn't it? Yeah, and he was just brilliant to work with because I was really nervous in Game of Thrones just because it was Game of Thrones, you know? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Everybody <laughs> in the world is watching. <laughs> Everybody is watching and it's like the standard of acting is so high and you you know you have to be on your proper A game, you know? And I had quite a lot of dialogue and I also was doing an RP accent and they'd always said to me, you know, you're doing this RP accent, we want it to be perfect RP. We don't want any fans writing it and saying that her accent wasn't perfect. So there was... <laughs> You know, there was, there was so much pressure on me, and um, and I was, the first thing I did, they took seventeen hours to shoot this scene. And it was myself and Ian Beatty and Maisie Williams who plays Ari Stark, and um, but I seemed to have the most dialogue, and uh, the the director kept adding dialogue in the middle of the oh. scene. 
in his in American accent, um, he was speaking to me in his, his American accent. I had to translate what he was saying into uh, my RP accent that I was doing. So uh, I was quite, um, I really felt in at the deep end there. But yeah, Ian Beatty was just brilliant. He was really a really generous actor and just kept saying, you know, you're okay. And like really helping me and like, you know, making sure I was okay with all the dialogue I had. So. It's a pity I nobody really was uh, there encouraging Jamie Dornan's accent properly in Wild Night in Time. <laughs> <Yeah>. Oh dear. <laughs> I'm saying oh dear because I'm just, uh, I, I do see the treasure but it just seems like everyone's talking about it. I know. Right but you know what the thing is, everyone's going to watch it now because everyone's so intrigued. <laughs> yeah. So maybe they did that on purpose and he's a perfect accent the rest of the film. <laughs> yeah. No such thing as bad publicity. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I can't wait to see that film now actually. Yeah, see, we're all talking about going to have a watching party because we're like let's just do this for the crack but like those sort of films are for American audiences they're not for us you know? exactly yeah and um, to be honest I don't really mind what accent Jamie Dornan does once I can watch him on the screen very true <laughs> you know a nice well, eye candy <laughs> look you got to be crossing that eye candy in the fall like I wouldn't be able to cope they'd be like Nicola I just want you to just stand there I'd be like okay that's all I can do <laughs> yeah. um, I didn't have any, any scenes opposite him actually in the fall but yeah uh, yeah, he was he was always around the set and uh, outside my trailer and stuff. And um, yeah, everyone just kind of like swooned every time we walked past. You know? Oh yeah. Um, and similarly with uh, Tom Hopper, I did a film back in 2016 with Tom Hopper and Amy Huberman in Dublin actually. And it was the same with him. Like nobody could kind of speak around Tom Hopper. You know, everyone, all the costume ladies were just like, oh my god, red in the face every time we walked into the room. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so funny. We're just we don't care about celebrities in Ireland because well, we try to not care about them. But then a handsome celebrity comes in, you're like, oh, can't cope. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Irish women are so like that, just like oh, yes. oh, swoon. <laughs> and your next role, will we see any hunky men in this? You're going to be in um, Age of the Living Dead. That's going to be on Amazon Prime. Yeah, that comes out on Amazon Prime this month, and um, oh, it's a brilliant show if you're if you're into the vampire horror uh, gore supernatural genre. Um, I just finished really... Buffy, so for the second. Oh, did you? Yeah, so I literally finished it two days ago. Oh my god, I forgot all about Buffy. <laughs> Have you seen True Blood yet? I haven't, but I've seen bits of it because uh, the guy that's in it, um, I can't think of his real name Ryan something he was in Home and Away years ago oh yeah yeah yes. yeah blonde haired guy yes yeah and um, my friend is obsessed with him so she used to like put on just clips of it to show me to try and get me into it but I was like I have to watch from the start then lockdown happens I can watch anything from the start now yeah and if you like Buffy oh my god you're gonna love True Blood I've watched the entire season probably about, about 10 times now oh okay alright favourite vampire uh, film uh, series but um, yeah so it's quite it's kind of similar actually to Age of the Living Dead um, it's sort of um, a modern <clears throat> dystopian kind of twist on vampirism and you have like four main storylines running through it so you have the east coast of America where the vampire vampires are quarantined a word that's resonating with everyone right now. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and then you have on the uh, west coast of America is where all the humans live. And then in between, the third strand of the narrative is what's called no man's land. And nobody's allowed in there. And there's just like militia dotted around waiting to attack the vampires if they break quarantine. And then the fourth narrative is London. And that's where my character comes in. And London sort of represents, I suppose, the eye of the entire world looking in on America and hoping that the vampires don't break quarantine because then it becomes a global issue. Yeah. So uh, the the UK government um, 
bring in uh, Defence Minister Donoghue, which is my role, to come up with a strategy plan with the Prime Minister um, to figure out a way to stop the vampires taking over the world. So it's a really interesting role, you know, um, really high stakes. Um, and it was so interesting because we, we shot it right at the beginning of the pandemic in the UK and Ireland. It was like 22 cases up in the north had just come over to Ireland when I was due to go over and shoot in the UK. And um, everyone was like, you know, petrified, more so than they are now, of the coronavirus, just as it was kind of approaching us. Yeah. And that's when I, we started shooting. So I used to always think, I don't know how I'd ever relate to these characters if I ever do fantasy drama or sci-fi, because it's so removed from my everyday life, you know, and I'm sure maybe a lot of actors think like that. I suppose if there's anything we're going to relate to with uh, this year of all years, quarantine, you know, keeping away from each other, we totally understand that. Uh, also, you're, I believe you're doing a movie with uh, Pat Short. So it's a really black comedy. It's going to be a huge challenge for me, this role, because it's something that I haven't really done before. And then again, and then also I'm opposite Pat Short. So yeah. He's like an amazing comedian, um, but it's a brilliant script and we'll be shooting that next year. So you're like hoping to get back on set, get back to a bit of normality in the old acting oh, yeah. world. Yeah, I mean it's um yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think everybody just wants to get back to normality. <laughs> yeah, well please We're starting to forget what that is at this stage. <laughs> yeah, well yeah. Normality now at this current stage is sitting at a desk in my bedroom and going, Do I when I clock off work, do I go into the sitting room or do I sit on my bed? <laughs> oh god. It's like talking about cabin fever, like <laughs> <laughs> Oh I know, I know. Look at that's why when you're talking about age of the living dead, I'm like, Yeah, I know all about it. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> And I had the vampires because I was watching Buffy. So it just actually seemed like my life. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, God. I just, every day I say to myself, this too shall pass. I can't wait until we're able to say, back in the pandemic. Oh, my God. That is the day that I look forward to going, do you remember this time last year we couldn't leave our house? (laughs) And I'll be in the pub and I'll be raising a pint or something, just kind of going, oh, we're going on holidays. That would be amazing. I think the whole, there's going to be a renaissance uh, globally and everyone is just going to be just so happy when this is all over and they can walk into a pub and celebrate it, you know, and hug each other and everything, you know. Oh, a hugging will be the best part, definitely. <laughs> look at, and, and, the, and the pub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Lacey, look, thank you so much for chatting to me this morning. Fair play to you. And obviously, if anyone is has Amazon Prime, Age of the Living Dead will be out this month, so keep an eye out for it. And we'll obviously next year keep an eye out for your movie with Pat. Thank you, Nicola. It was great talking to you. Taking a little ad break here now just to rest the voice. Uh, that was Lacey Moore, of course. And uh, as I mentioned, you can see her on Amazon Prime, Age of the Living Dead. Check it out this month. After the break, I am checking in with one of Ireland's biggest rugby stars, Sean O'Brien. He is here to talk about his new book, Fuel. So you'll have to stay tuned to q or 2 to hear all that just after these wee ads. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 
luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. It really means a lot to me and I really hope you enjoyed it. Do scroll back and see if there's anything else that you might enjoy. And before I let you go, do remember to come and find me on my new podcast, Tis Yourself. Again, talking to celebrities, this time a lot more in depth. So there might be longer episodes there. And we're talking about what was life like before they became famous, the different alternative roads they could have went down, how life changed for them for good and bad. And so, so, so much more. And of course, the thing that they're best known for. So come and find me, Tis Yourself with Nicola Barden. And I really hope you'll enjoy the new episodes. They're up to date. They're brilliant. There's some great people there. And I'd love your support. So please do come find us. That's Tis Yourself with Nicola Barden.